You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning out there in off-the-shelf radio, blog talk radio, iTunes, Rainbow Soar, you're tuning in. Good morning to you. I want to kick today's show off with a, a, a quote from Haiti McDaniel. I did my best and God did the rest. So we do our best and then we just have to let go. And we're going to see what the, the, the good works today's guest has done and what she has done already and what she has and the plans for her future works. But for those who are loyal listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to Off the Shelf. Every morning I get up on Saturday morning, I get up I get up like an hour or more before the show when I start just working on different things for more promotion and marketing. And for some reason, one of my dial-ins just was not working this morning. I've just learned to keep it moving no matter what happens. Just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. But to our loyal listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in this morning. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Shelf, you're just looking for something to tune into this morning, I'm so glad you found us and you absolutely are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show Off the Shelf. Welcome to Saturday, June, our Saturday, June 20th show. And in advance, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there who are who are caring, loving, active in their children's lives. It is, there is nothing like a good father. There is nothing like a good father. So happy, happy Father's Day to you. And, again, I want to thank all of you for joining us this morning. I want to tell you there's still time for you to let your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your relatives know. They can still catch off the shelf and not miss any of our special guest interview this morning. And the dial-in is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. And before we introduce our guest, I want to encourage you to visit Breaking Rules Publishing. It's at breakingrulespublishing.com. They offer editing, reviews, and book critique services. And also... How good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can figure out who's responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond Clark and his friend's life and love for over me? And I also have to ask you, how much do you value relationships and love? How long would you wait to experience a once-in-a-lifetime romance? And it's the kind of relationship that could open you up to the brilliance, the brilliance of life that only a few people get to enjoy. Just just how long would you wait? I encourage you, if you value relationships, and there is a friendship, there is a male friendship bond in this story with five guys who meet in college that is is rarely written about, and I hope to see it in more books. If you value friendships and you value an intimate soulmate relationship, and there's a complicated father-son relationship, but you also like suspense. 
Yeah, well, you, look, you like suspense. I encourage you to stop what you're doing and get a copy of Love Pro for Me. You can get it right now just with a click of a button at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. It's, it's online at Walmart. It's in print and ebook format. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk to order your copy of Love Pull Over Me by Denise Turney. Go treat yourself to this story today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. I'm excited, and I hope you are too. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Lori Spagna. Now, Lori is a best-selling author, spiritual teacher, ascension guide, energy healer, and light worker. She works to help people awaken their alignment with the divine source, and it is Lori's aim to help people live their best life. Her life changed after she had a series of near-death experiences and an induction-abduction experience. We we definitely got to ask her about that in Maui. And she does seminars and workshops. Lori has authored several books, including How Psychic Are You? Seven Simple Steps to Unlocking Your Psychic Potential, Learn Animal Communication, The Secret Energy of Money, and The Spiritual Laws of Wealth. And two years in Maui. I visited Maui once, but I think I was only there for a few days. You can check Lori out online at loriespagna.com, and that's L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. One more time, L-O-R-I-P-A-G-N-A.com. We are absolutely honored to have Lori Jonas on Off the Shelf Talk Radio this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Lori. Well, hello, Denise. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation, our time together today. I'm looking forward to it. And we, we are glad to have you here. Uh, anybody who's listened to our show knows the first four or five questions I ask every guest so our listeners can get a little backstory on our guests before we launch into questions about their books and other works they're doing. So to kick it off, Ms. Laurie, would you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I, I'll say I was born in the Bronx, New York, in a very uh, sort of low-income area. But I, as a young girl, lived in Larchmont, New York. So until college, I lived in Larchmont, New York, which is a suburb of Manhattan. And, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very mainstream family, just living a mainstream, you know, what I call mainstream, like a normal everyday life. Before I got into all of this sort of spiritual esoteric stuff, my family was very sort of non-denominational, non-practicing. And, yeah, I mean, my parents did the best they could to create a good life for us. And, yeah, that's kind of how I grew up. And do you have siblings or are you an only child? Yeah, I have siblings, and but I am not in contact with my family at all. We have basically very little contact at all any longer. Okay. That's part of my okay. storyline, which I'm happy to share. But, yeah, I don't really – I think what happened in my storyline was I, you know, I grew up in a mainstream family. I got into this very spiritual practices, and as that developed, it was – it really did require me to step very far outside of the box. And that was not something that my family could really handle. They just couldn't handle it. And the more I followed my own journey and path, 
the more it became challenging for them, I think, to sort of like handle that. And so, I mean, this is a challenge of my life, you know, you know, having, I love my family. I love them. I wish them peace and wellness and goodness and all good things, but we're mostly not in contact anymore. Okay. So anyway, I, uh, I'm not sure, you know, like that's just history, right? It's not really and, and, necessarily about my journey, but it's a long story. So anyway, it came up. <laughs> appreciate you sharing, sharing what you did. Now, as a child, Lori, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a little girl, maybe seven, eight, what did you say, this is what I want to be when I grow up? Uh, when I was a little girl, I wanted to work with animals. Ah. I always loved animals. That was my joy and my love. I loved animals, okay. and I just wanted to help animals. And, you know, one of your books has to do with that. So you kind of did stay in some ways on that path. Who or what inspired you to pursue writing, and, and what birthed your love for books? Well, you know what? I remember when I was, since we're on that, when I was little, I mean, that is what I do. That's a huge part of what I do is helping animals. But what? What insp- I remember one of my earliest inspirations. I was just thinking about this woman yesterday when I was like, I think I must have been in second grade, and her name was Barbara, and she was one of the teacher's aides. And I remember her telling me back then that she thought I had such great potential as a writer, and it really resonated me. And she with me, and she even as a little girl, I remember this teacher's aide telling me what she could see me somehow writing books. And how do you remember that? You know, it's like, and I was thinking even yesterday when I was thinking about that, Denise, I was thinking how lucky I was to have even that woman around me because our children, our our children so often don't get that kind of encouragement. It did resonate with me. And I was writing, I remember I was writing little stories, you know, childhood stories back then. So I always loved writing and that definitely is my earliest memory of someone encouraging me. But you know, now, that's as so an adult, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. You said now as an adult? Yeah, I mean, I just, I love, I've always loved reading. I love writing, a huge part of my own spiritual journey and my own process of, you know, my own awakening was through journaling. I mean, I remember journaling my whole life and, you know, now I love to just do a meditation. When I write now, it's like I just love doing a meditation and then, a slight prayer like source, divine, creator, God, let what's meant to flow through me, flow through me. Let your, let your message flow through me, out through onto this paper. And that's usually how I write, you know, whenever I, even when I do my work, even if I'm writing something for my website or writing something for my newsletter or a blog, it's always a little okay. prayer and meditation, you know. I love that, yeah. Did you yeah, waiting, about for, the kids? waiting for that mm-hmm. inner or that higher guidance. Now, to talk more specifically about some of your works, and then uh, in a, uh, maybe two, three questions, we're going to start talking about your books. What service does an ascension guide perform? What does an ascension guide do? Yeah, well, an ascension guide is um, someone who assists humans and animals. I mean, look, every Ascension Guide might define themselves differently, so I can only assign it as, you know, define it as I do it. But it's really all about assisting humans and animals to come into alignment with our divinity, with the divine source that is, is infinite. So it's, 
and it's omnipresent. It's in everyone and everything, everywhere, even that which we might define as wrong or bad. Because this source is infinite love and infinite acceptance. It's in, through, and around everyone and everything. And so an ascension guide is just working, I, as an ascension guide, I'm just working to assist humanity, really, to come into that, into that alignment with that full embodiment of knowing it, whole body, whole consciousness, and to, to bring ourselves into that awareness that it's, we are the creators of our realities with that, with that source. And, you know, that is a, that is a, that is a difficult lesson, uh, especially when I think a lot of psychology and a lot of our other work teaches that we're not in control. It's somebody else did something or said something to us. Yes. And yes. we have to work, we have to untangle. And we just spend our whole lives, and, and sometimes being angry with relatives when they really didn't have the power Certainly when you're a child, I think what a parent can do or what happens to a child can leave lasting, lasting. I don't know if you ever 100% get over it, but some mm-hmm. of us, you spend your whole life just being angry about what somebody said or did and never step into your own power uh, when you work with source or God. You never step into it. Uh, so yeah. and then the next the next question, so when you're helping somebody to ascend to make this connection with our our divine source or God, or people. Some people call it love. What are some of the steps to use, like meditation guidance, visualization? What are how? Are, what are some ways you help people to make this connection? Well, a huge part of what what I'm doing is working with what we call what's in our unconscious. So our unconscious like beliefs, belief systems, programs. All, you know, energy and vibration that's running in and through our bodies, all of that stuff that we're not necessarily conscious of is very often what we believe we think is something external to us. And so what you were saying, I was really, uh, what I was hearing in my, her, you know, in my inner hear, hearing or voice or hearing was that that's our old way that we think you know, we believe that this power is outside of us. That's what I call external living or outer living. But in reality, everything's coming from within us. And so we, when I'm working with someone, I'm helping and assisting them to re, literally realign their consciousness with this higher knowing. And these higher, we call it higher, but they're lighter. They're purer frequencies of light, sound, energy, consciousness, vibration that that assists them to completely shift energetically so that then the reality that they actually live in and perceive and experience changes as a result. That becomes the effect. Because Denise, our reality, the reality we live in is actually an effect. We are the cause of it. Challenging for us to understand. But there's nothing in the external world that actually is the cause of our situation and our mm-hmm. scenarios, our, our circumstances. It's always actually coming from within us. It's just that most of the time we're quite unconscious of that. We don't always realize it. And, and so that's why it's good when you see when links do happen. Maybe a, a, 
uh, when the, my next question kind of leads into this. Some people might say they have a psychic experience, and they, again, might see it coming from something other than themselves, but that can show you where that thought actually comes from you. And then something happens, and we don't pay attention enough to see the links with that. Or uh, so uh, sometimes the the first step is to really try to remember what we really are, and we're not like powerless. Uh, right. To, to really remember, then you can see the power of your thought. But if you think yeah. you don't have any power, you probably wouldn't think that your your thoughts could do anything. But once you remember, start to remember what we really are. Then you can say, oh, okay, and you can start to make the link. Um, and there are a lot of people out here doing this work. I know Anthony Robbins is one, and he did it maybe focus a lot on money and business success, but that was his work. To see, your thoughts are actually causing these experiences. Uh, my next question is, is everyone psychic? And, and, and why would you, if, based on your answer, why, why do you say this? Is everyone psychic? Yeah. In my opinion, yes, everyone is psychic. The only thing is, is that the word psychic has so many like connotations to what it means. And a lot of people think that means, well, you can make predictions about the future or you can see what's going on in someone else's life. And that may be part of someone's gift. Everyone is psychic because psychic to me, to me means we all are, have the potential to fully align with our divinity, our source, creator, God, and to, to understand, perceive, and realize higher truth using our senses beyond our 5D senses. So in other words, when I say our 5D, our five senses, our five physical senses, we can go way beyond those to our extrasensory abilities. All of us have that. No question. In fact, at this point, that to me is scientifically valid. For example, if you, if you look to, for example, the Institute of Heart Math, they're already scientifically studying all of our extrasensory abilities, and they're already validating how psychic we all really are, that our hearts have brain matter in them. That means our hearts, when we start using the brain matter and developing that in our hearts, we actually have that. Our guts have brain matter in them. That's all scientifically proven now. Our skin is extrasensory. We all have a pituitary gland and a pineal gland, which are master glands in the center of our brain, which allow us to develop abilities, our extrasensory abilities, through the use of those master glands. We all have these gifts, and there's more. There's even more than that. Those are just a few. Yeah, and once again, to to remember what we really are, I think that is so. That's part of that's part of our journey because we clearly yeah. have forgotten. Now, how can we, Lori? How is it possible that we can have talents? And before you, before I finish ask, asking this question, I just wanted for our listeners. I read either saw read the book. I think I read the book. I don't think I saw the movie. It was about a woman. She saw a train accident, and she saw somebody dismembered. And because of it, she just her per, her personality split in like three or four different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. So before this happened, she couldn't play the piano. She couldn't paint, or thought she couldn't. After these different personalities, these in the same woman mm-hmm. split, she became a mm-hmm. very 
I mean, she was a very talented pianist. She, she, these abilities she didn't even think she had, she could do. Then she went into therapy and merged back into that one personality, and I think she lost those talents. But it's, that is just one sign that we could have talents and not even know we have them. How is it possible, even in just that not happening to anybody, just in that one, one personality, but how can we have talents and be completely unaware that we have them? Well, it goes back to that same that same point is that we are unconscious of most of the gifts that we have. And I think what's really important and valuable to mention here is that our human reality that we've been living in has really taught us to be constantly doing, 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 working, working, working. There's a very strong slave, slave driver mentality in our reality. You don't have any value unless you're making money or working, working, working like a slave. And then there's this whole kind of mentality that we have that other than that, you kind of just drink beer, watch, watch the news or watch TV or go to some sports or, you know, watch some entertainment of someone else, you know, in glory, you know, and that sort of blocks us from enhancing and developing our abilities. So, you know, it's up to us to choose to develop and enhance our abilities through our own sort of informal learning. Because we're not going to learn that in the mainstream schooling system. But we will learn that by reaching sort of outside of what we might consider mainstream and getting into some of those kinds of um, kinds of learning that goes beyond what what is normal, what is considered to be the normal way you spend your time and energy in our physical world. Does that make sense? You, yes. You know, I was just thinking this morning uh, that I'm one of those, I struggle uh, at, from time, or I, I'm going to put it in past tense, I have previously struggled with that do, 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 constantly being in motion, whereas like I, I was just thinking about this morning where I rarely sit down and I've become more aware of it, though, that there's something in my mind that just do the dishes, go run the vacuum cleaner, work on that novel, go do this, and it's like you never sit yeah. down. It's just constant, constant motion. Now to talk yeah. about your books, for, for something that people listening to this radio show today or they may listen to it in the future um, can get some benefits even beyond our interview, our discussion. Can you please tell us about some of the topics that you cover and how psychic are you, seven simple steps to unlocking your psychic potential. Yeah, some of those basic practices. First, it does sort of outline why everybody has it and what the scientific evidence is, and it gives a lot of links as well so you can do the research yourself because I'm all about that. Like we tend to believe what I call a false narrative, which is what we're told on TV. But that is not, to me, that's a false narrative. But if we do the research on our own, we will discover so much more. So there's lots of links in the book and about how to learn that it is real, it's not woo-woo, and it is scientifically valid. And then what it talks about really a lot is just the steps of just learning how to sit still and how to get quiet and how to use some of the basic practices to begin opening your own, like, pineal pituitary, master gland, third, also called the third eye, how to get into a meditative state, how to access what we call a theta brainwave. 
So the, most humans have no idea how to access the theta brainwave, but that brainwave is a universal brainwave that once you learn how to access it, that's how telepathy happens. That's how brain-to-brain contact with permission can happen. So if someone says, don't come in my space, you can't do it. You ha- but you learn all about that. How do you access that theta brainwave? How do you use it to have a direct connection? And by the way, this works with animals too because animals are also using a theta brainwave. And so you learn about that and then, you know, how to develop it and, and apply it in your life. So you can use it for, for enhancing your life and for the betterment of all. Because I just want to add this on everything I do to the best of my ability. And, I, you know, I'm not perfect either. I'm another human on earth just doing my best to, you know, navigate this reality and to be of service and contribution. But to the best of – it te- does teach that it's always for the 100% positive upliftment of all beings concerned with zero harm, which we can't control everything, but – and zero what we call karmic debt. And, and I live by that to the best of my ability, and I encourage everyone that I interact with, everyone in my circle, my, my circles, my communities, to live by that as well. And that becomes our guiding force in that sense. You know, source is our guiding force, but we live by that as the foundational principle, 100% positive upliftment for all, zero harm to the best of our ability, and zero karmic debt to the best of our ability. Okay. So, yeah, goes into all of that. That's what the book goes into. It's a mouthful. <laughs> and there's yeah. seven simple steps. So is the, yeah. is the, like the, is the first step just practicing awareness, or what is that first step? Uh, well, what is involved is in that very quiet. first? Like, it's literally just getting quiet. So one of the things is I'll teach people is set a timer, turn everything off, clock, like everything that could bang or buzz or ring or distract you and set a timer for 10 minutes and sit in silence mm. and just listen. And then we do, and if you can't, some people can't do it for 10 minutes. So I tell them, okay, start with five minutes. If they can't do it for five minutes, start with one minute, but you increase from there. You have to get comfortable in the silence. And then I also tell people do the same thing before you go to sleep make the room entirely pitch black. You don't have to do it before you go to sleep. I tell people to do it times throughout the day as well. But, you know, you put a face mask on and you just sit in the complete pitch dark with your eyes open and see what there is to see. And then also do it with your eyes closed and see what there is to see. What most people think is that when their eyes closed, they think they see nothing. But that's not true at all. There is so much to see in the dark and when your eyes are closed. And this is part of what develops those master glands in the center of the brain. And that also prepares the body to be in this kind of start to get comfortable in what I call a divine neutral. You have to be able to get very neutral in your energy. So most people aren't trained to be in that neutrality. Animals are so much better at that. They're really good at being in a more neutral state. They tend to take on the energy of their human and their environment. We take on the energy of our environment as well. So if we're just watching the news all the day and you see like two people arguing and what I call flying monkeys, this person coming in and saying this, and then another person coming in and contradicting them, and then someone else arguing and debating, argue, debate, discredit, 
we get wired into that. We believe that. And we, we, our environment makes us just, just stress and anxiety because of that, because we're, we're looking at that all day and it's, it's rewiring our energy field. So that's the first step is just get quiet, sit still, be comfortable in an empty, neutral energy space. And you have to start attuning yourself to that. And there's lots of practices for that. And, and you know, I that, will I say, teach, sorry, no, go ahead. just beyond that, I teach them breath work of literally how to access that state of brainwave. Cause I can tell you the moment, Anyone's, even most people, when they go into a light meditation, they go into an alpha brainwave. And that's a great brainwave. It's peaceful. It's calm. It's sort of reflective. It's a great brainwave. Most people don't even do that. But when you get into a theta brainwave, wow, your, your whole brain starts just to come into peace. And, I mean, anxieties will start to go away. Depression and sadness will start to go away. Grief goes away. Like, I, it doesn't go away. It's not a pill. It doesn't work like a pharmaceutical drug pill. And that's why meditation is so helpful for people because it actually, if whether they're going into an alpha brainwave state or a theta brainwave state, they're shifting their brain. They're reprogramming their own physiology to more and more go into a state of homeostasis, which relaxes the mind and the body, and all the activity of the brain, but actually you are alert and awake in a state of brainwave state. So I will that's say from what I teach. Yeah, sorry. I will say, I've, I've, uh, and thanks for what you shared, Lori. I have, um, one time I was dealing with anxiety, and I started, and it was like the Buddha practices, just watching your thoughts pass like clouds, and don't get mm-hmm. attached to them. Just watch them pass and see how they change. But then the breathing, and I'm, it, it worked. But I have heard that for some people who might have mental health challenges, that they may be like limiting your meditation to 30 minutes. I, you, just see how you respond to it, because everybody's going to respond differently. But I, I definitely want for meditating at least, even if you just do five, ten minutes, to, you should start to see yourself come into more balance. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if, um, but we often say we don't have the time. I need to get back to that practice, even myself. Now, is there really energy and money? And is that energy the same regardless of who has the money? Yeah, well, there's, there's energy in everything. Everything is energy. And, and, and it's, but it's not the same regardless of who has the money in a sense, because, all energy has a, has a vibration, a unique vibration. So if one person is holding a piece of money or anything of any value, it, doesn't, it could be a coin, it could be a, a rock, a crystal, a stone, a, anything, and that person has the energy of love and peace and happiness and joy or even just an idea or concept oh, this is such a wonderful gift to me, I feel gratitude, that is a completely different realm of energy from somebody holding a, the same amount or the same thing and saying, this is worthless. This is nothing. This isn't enough. I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. I don't have enough. There's not enough to go around. If I have this, someone else won't. That's a different energy. Ah. Totally different. 
Now, can you give our off-the-shelf listeners an overview of your book, The Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth? What are, like, some yeah. of the key uh, topics? For, for instance, the one we just talked about, you say there's energy and money, but it yeah. may not be the same depending on who has the money or who's asking for money. Right. Well, because the thing is, is the energy is, remember back to the earlier part of our, our conversation, everything is emanating from us. Money in itself is neutral. It's just another aspect of the divine, which is infinite omnipresent love, infinite omnipresence allowance. It allows all without judgment. So if, if everything's emanating from us as aspect of that divine source, creator, God, however you identified emanating from you is emanating in and through the money and that's going to be the energy that that money takes on as a reflection of you whoever you are so the concept of the spiritual laws of money is about creating the consciousness of wealth and abundance from within yourself by applying the same laws of the universe for example the energy of gratitude we already know that's a very basic truth in our spiritual truth, gratitude, just being grateful for what we have and practicing gratitude expands the abundance of anything that we're grateful for, including especially all forms of monetary wealth. Another thing that's explained in that book um, is the energy of reciprocity. Now, there is a law of reciprocity. It's a universal law. It's valid in physics. Quantum physics can validate that. So this law of reciprocity teaches that it's, it's validated by the law of circulation, which is a universal law. It's a law of physics. It's valid by the law of, um, of radiation, which is what radiates out from you energetically. That's the law of radiation, again, validated in quantum physics. And then a law of attraction, which we're familiar with. What, so what radiates or emanates out from you circulates into the field or environment around you and then is attracted back to you through the law of reciprocity and attraction. This is all quantum physics and universal law, also spiritual truth. So this is outlined in the book because if people understood this, they would become a lot more generous because they'd start giving in more abundance, knowing with joy that what they circulate out and emanate out in joy and love will be attracted back to them in equal or greater force. That's the law of reciprocity. So this is, this is taught in the book and explained in a lot more detail. I'm saying it very quickly here. That's what we cover, yep. that kind of thing. And you know, yeah, I appreciate... I'll say one other piece. That debt, and I learned this myself when I was living in Maui, debt is associated with a lack of forgiveness, the energy of debt. I'm holding a debt, and that's the I have not forgiven myself and all others. That is the debt. It's a karmic debt, in a sense, and it can be translated through the neutral energy of money, for example. And money also is, so we want to practice forgiveness, because that increases not only our abundance, it increases our happiness, it increases our joy, it increases our health, it increases our well-being. So that's explained in the book in a lot more detail. And one other thing about this is that the energy of 
self-worth and self-value. We are all worthy and deserving beings, regardless of our gender, our race, our color, our creed, our religion, anything. We are worthy and deserving because we exist. We are valuable because we are emanations of the divine. We were created by this infinite loving being. We are worthy and deserving, but we have to remember that within ourselves and know it. So as we develop and enhance our own sense of self-worth and self-value, we also become more abundant because that is linked through the expression of money or various forms of monetary exchange in our physical reality. Does that make sense? Yes, and I thank you for what you shared. It makes perfectly good sense to to, to me. Um, We live in a world that just, it almost is so contrary to mm-hmm. a truth that it, it is almost like they're two worlds, and somehow being in this one, we kind of gotta we have to navigate this world and the other. And some mm-hmm. people, some of us are more fully in this in this world, and we believe this is the only one that's real. And some people are, are more maybe in the other, and some kind we have to walk that tight <laughs> balance because you're, we're here too, so we still have to yeah. do both. But the things that are taught in this world are so contrary to the truth that it is it, almost like you almost wonder how this world even exists. It's it's yeah. it's so contrary in what what we are taught. But that shared. What are some lies that many of us believe about money? Money is one of the oh my god when I, you think about the horrific things as humans we've done to each other, like enslaving each other. And, mm-hmm. and just the sex, sex mm-hmm. slave trafficking, prostitution, forcing people yeah. into prostitution, drugs. It's all for money. Yeah. It's all for money. Well, I, I think, I think I would say it's it's more than money. Sometimes, very often, it's power. People, especially if you're dealing with what I would call like a psychotic kind of mentality. And if you're dealing with people who literally are mentally ill, and I, I will say this, I, I hope I don't push buttons, but I may. Many of our world leaders that we've been witnessing, regardless of this is not, you know, this is not a political statement. It could be across, it could be across any world leader that you may be aware of. They are, many of them are actually very psychopathic mentally unstable you can see it in their astrology by the way i'm into astrology more of as a hobby or as a tool but um i you can see it when you start looking at their astrology a lot of them and you can see that some of them their idea is just power power hungry and i'm talking about some of the global elites to control like banking systems so since we're talking about money like you know some of those richest richest people like rothschilds or I mean, Morgans, their their family lineage is just interested in power. They have all the money in the world. They don't need, you know what I mean? It's not even about money. So anyway, the point I think is when you go back to the question you were asking, why do we do that stuff? And, you know, what are some of our belief systems? It's true. We have to change our belief systems. Like we have to start seeing money as just money or any form of 
fair energy exchange. It might not just be money. It just be any form of trade, barter, any goods we exchange or any service or contribution. We have to start reevaluating all of that from a new, like a higher consciousness to see it in a way of sharing, giving, service, contribution, an exchange of love, an exchange of care. And then redefine what we believe about how we share, give, and receive, and what what our true values are, because money's just a value system, in a sense. And it's up to humanity to decide this. I think we're deciding it now. If you look at our stage, our world stage, you know? So, yeah, it requires us to sort of go into our belief systems and and say, what have I believed about money? By the way, that's in the book, too. Like where we write out what have we believed about money and there's a practice in there to just sit with some money and ask, where did I make you wrong? Where did I judge you? What did I believe about you? What did I make true that maybe isn't? And how can I change that so that we can have a more harmonious relationship and I can live in harmony with you, money or some form of currency, whatever that may be. So does that, is that helpful? Uh, very helpful. And I, you know what, you just shared a tip. I think I might do that. And I, off-the-shelf listeners, you know, we're, we're speaking with Lori Spagna, and we're some of her books, How Psychic Are You? Seven Simple Steps to Unlocking Your Psychic Potential and the Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth. And, and it's true, some of, some people seek power, but money money is a, a, a big, it, it causes humans to do some really, I mean, very, I mean, drastic measures just to get it. What people would do for, to get a life insurance policy money, so it's just, it's almost insane. So this is a topic I think that I don't know if it eventually one day be taught in schools or colleges, so people maybe won't make those horrific choices. Now that's well, the other thing too is Denise, and I'm sorry I I just interrupted you. I apologize, but I also want to say that I don't even think it's money that does that to us. I think it's fear of survival. And because we believe that we need money to survive, that's a belief system. So we have a fear of survival. Humanity has been triggered to the very root right now of our very fear of surviving. And so we often associate that with money because we've come to believe in our reality that you need money to survive, that we all need. And I'm not saying that's not true, but what I am saying is, that that's what's at the root of so many of these very bad behaviors or poor behaviors. For example, the one you mentioned, like using lies or whatever to get a life insurance policy. They want to survive, and everybody wants to survive. So we have to really reevaluate this, like how do we all survive? How does humanity survive and thrive in a world that, and what do we need to change about our world to make it better so that we so that we don't have to have people just trying to survive and do like the worst things that they would never want to do if they were really in alignment with their divinity. They would choose mm-hmm. something so much better. They really would. Yeah. Everyone would choose something so much better. And something I loved that you said, Denise, I just want to go back to was that you said it seems like we live in two realities. And you are I can't even tell you how right you are. I call that in my language old paradigm new paradigm, and they're overlapping, what I call third-dimensional paradigm, fifth-dimensional paradigm. It's just languaging. But the point is to say there is an old way of being and a new way of being, and the new way of being is being birthed. 
And this is what we're talking about here. It's a new way of living, thinking, behaving, feeling, sharing, existing. And it requires us to clean out all that fear. It requires us to clean it out from our whole being so we can live in this new way that is good for all. So anyway, I'm so glad you said that. And and, and I appreciate all your sharing. And for those who might have come in midstream, no worries. Once the show finishes archiving, you can go back and listen to it in its entirety as often as you like and share it with others who you think might benefit from it, especially people who might just be on the cusp already for this type of message. Now, I have to ask you this again, and I'm asking you in a different way because I know there may be listeners who really are struggling with this. And this is where I think a lot of people – if people try a spiritual practice and they don't get what they want, they may say it doesn't work and step away from it. And then sometimes this can stop some of us, especially people who might be in a situation that's abusive right now, but you can't come out of it. So I have to ask this in a different way. Do we really create our own reality with our thoughts, ideals, beliefs, etc., especially considering how many people are in the world. It's not like we're here all by ourselves. So everybody's putting out these energy, vibration, beliefs, thoughts, and acting on them. Is it really possible? Are we really responsible for what's happening in our space? Yeah, so it's awesome that you asked that, Denise. So each of us, and this is quantum physics, but spiritual truth, definitely they're both in agreement here. Um, we, we, each individual lives in their own, what we call bioenergy field or holographic reality or energy field, whatever languaging you want. We live in our own sort of prism of reality that we create consciously and unconsciously. And then we interact with others who also live in their own quantum reality And then the collective creates a collective type of quantum reality, but not all collectives are experiencing the same reality at the same time. It's very sci-fi in a sense, but it's also very spiritual. So every individual, no matter what we're going through, and I mean, I, I had extreme mental and emotional abuse growing up. So I understand abuse. I mean, I wasn't physically abused and all forms of abuse, because you had mentioned that, are the, they're, they're meant to teach us, we're meant to learn a form of self-love, self-care, self-honoring, or other things, or somehow to free or liberate ourselves, or, you know, maybe we're clearing some kind of karmic debt, but, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, I mean to, to extend my love and compassion there, you know, to people. What I do want to say is that, yes, we are creating it, and we might have agreed to go through that on an unconscious level so that we could resolve it for ourselves so that we could come into some kind of deeper love or compassion or forgiveness. Um, Or so somehow we could free and liberate ourselves from it, which is a really big theme on planet earth right now, freedom and liberation. Are we going to choose freedom or are we going to give our power away to a false authority who's presenting themselves as, I don't know what they're presenting themselves as, but it's certainly not honest and truthful. I mean, that is for us to discern and navigate. So we do create it. We do create our reality. We do choose. And what we give our attention to, our mind to, our emotions to, is what reflects and shows up. 
And then to go to your point, Denise, about asking, like, what if somebody tries to do something and then they don't get what they want? Well, there could be multiple factors involved there. For one, perhaps they're learning a lesson of non-attachment, which is a higher spiritual truth to become non-attached to things so that you can have something even greater. Um, or so that you can just learn to be free because we have to learn non-attachment. Like if we're addicted to the news, we have to learn to unaddict ourselves. We have to detach from things that are not beneficial to us. Or if we're addicted to alcohol or a drug that's not helpful to us, for example, or food or spending or whatever. So that might be a spiritual lesson that the person's learning, perhaps. Or perhaps it is coming to them, but maybe not fast enough for their personality, self, or personal experience, and they've written it off as it doesn't work. And meanwhile, for all they know, it's on its way. But there's just maybe other belief systems or just energy or experiences that they have to resolve before they have it. It's all energy, so they just might not be vibrationally aligned to it, right? Mm. So there's a lot of reasons. And the one thing is, I mean, I learned this. I started Al-Anon when I was very young. I think I started going to Al-Anon in my, I mean, not very young, but, you know, like early, maybe late teens or early 20s because I grew up in it. You know, my brothers were addicts. And um, anyway, one of the first things I learned in there, I remember, like, is, don't quit before the miracle happens. Don't quit before. Don't quit too soon. And that's just what's lighting up in this moment about that particular part of the question you asked. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do. They quit too soon. Ah, ah. I love your definition of a millionaire. Uh, if you could please share that definition with our off-the-shelf listener, listeners. Uh, your definition of what a millionaire is is startling. You know, someone... Oh. I have to tell you, honestly, I haven't even read my own book in so long, but I, so I'll share it from my current definition because I don't remember what's in there, but I think it's something along the lines of like what my definition is, is like freedom to be who you are, do what you want, go where you want to go, however, whenever, wherever, whatever that is, the freedom to be in your own authentic being, living joyfully without any limitation on you and in a way that feels good and right to you with harm to none. That's how I would define it. But is that and what that's you're supposed to be? Yeah, that that's close to yeah. what you had in the book. And you know what? That's what that's generally, you know, except for like if you said, you know, the one that you, some people want power and they feel like if they have more money, they have more power or they what they can do with it. But that's what that's I know Oprah said that's really she said having a lot of money really doesn't change your life a lot, but it does give you more freedom to do what you want, go where you want. It, yeah. it, that, it, it sort of frees you up so you want to take a flight somewhere. You don't say, oh, I don't have the money. You just get on right. and you just go. You go wherever you yeah. want to go. But So that, 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 that freeing yeah. up of it. Can you tell in us that about sense, I would say In that sense, I would say I'm a millionaire because I applied those truths. You know, I... I'll just say the reason I wrote that book, it was over 12 years ago, and I haven't read it since, you know. But, well, I really – it's free on Kindle, by the way. It's on Amazon. Anyone can get it for free. I just put it out there to help people on their journey because I don't actually – I mean, I I understand that's part of our human reality, but it's not necessarily like anything I teach. I just put it there to be of service because – I learned that I my one of my highest values in life, one of my core values aside from consciousness and alignment with the divine, 
is freedom and authenticity, truth. Those are some of my highest values. Quest for freedom. I understood I had to learn and navigate my way into greater abundance. So that's why I wrote that book, and that's why I put it out there basically for free for anyone to get. And it's in my, my – I have a spiritual membership, and it's in there for free too. I mean, as part of the membership to get it. So I just believe in the principles, and those principles are what I'm more interested in. I'm not necessarily – I'm not a millionaire by the human definition of like million dollars by any stretch of the imagination. Like I don't have that, but I just live in my own sense of abundance and I, I live by the principles that are taught in that book. Okay. How did Maui, we, we have, we have about eight minutes left and I definitely want to talk about the services that our listeners could get from you. Uh, and then you could get the website where they can get, get services. But how did Maui change your life? Oh, wow. That was like two years I lived in Maui. I would call that what many people refer to as a dark night of the soul. I mean, I went there because I really wanted to know God. Like, I really did not know what was God, and I wanted to have a one-on-one relationship. That's why I went, and I went there to heal. Because before I went to Maui, I was, you know, functioning in the regular world, working like a but I, you know, 12 hour day job, I was making a lot of money, but I was spending it faster than I made it. I had a six figure credit card debt. I had, I was so overweight. I was excessively drinking alcohol, excessively smoking cigarettes. I was going to well-meaning doctors who were giving me ridiculous amounts of pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, I was drinking so much coffee to get through the day. I couldn't sleep at night. My thyroid was off. My hair was falling out. Like, everything was wrong. My brother had died of an unexpected drug overdose, and my husband was divorcing me. I mean, it was really bad. So I went there to heal. And two years that I was there, by learning and applying this stuff, within those two years, all of what I just said was gone. Within two years, I never smoked again. I completely quit smoking. I never drank alcohol again, except in those since the, like, 15 years since then. Yeah, I mean, I maybe had a few nights where I had a little bit of beer, but really, no, I don't drink alcohol just because I don't desire it, not because there was ever an addiction for me personally. Uh, the credit card debt was gone within two years because I was basically wow. told, keep forgiving, forgive the banks, forgive the institutions, forgive everyone, forgive yourself. I kept practicing that. Um I all like all of that. Sixty-five pounds of body weight left my body. I never used another pharmaceutical drug in the last fifteen years. Nor, by the way, because I applied it with my animal companions, did they need it, or have they needed it? Not even an over-the-counter drug in fifteen years since then. I mean, I just applied that stuff to my life in those two years, but I did lose everything. I mean, I was broke. I lost everything. I was alone for two years and I was just practicing this stuff and miracles were happening in my life and my life changed completely in two years. And I mean, I was learning from the animals. We didn't talk as much about them, but that was a huge part of the healing for me because they were teaching me. They literally were teaching me there what they know through my meditation and my telepathy and all the spiritual practice. So I just put it into the books there all my books are on Amazon. Literally, you can get them on Kindle for free just to help people to learn and to learn about animals and all these practices. So anyway, yeah, that's what Maui was. And, I mean, there's more to the story, of course, but in the few minutes we have, 
transformation took place, and it was never and the same since. You have your own personal, not just here's the, the here's something I learned and I maybe practiced, but you have your before and after where this is what it started like, and I did these practices, mm-hmm. and this is what it. And so you really have that conviction, which is powerful, that this this works. Can you tell us about? specific services that you offer as a healer, and if there's a website, if any off-the-shelf listener wanted to connect with you to work with you. Yeah. Well, my website is com, And certainly, I mean, I just teach people the same practices, the same kind of stuff. My whole life is about sharing this with them and their animals too. Um, so there's tons of stuff from me on YouTube there are tons of free gifts that they can get to sample it out. They can just sample this stuff like lorispania.com free gifts, or sorry, lorispania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash animals. They can learn all about this kind of stuff with the animals. They can go to lorispania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash DNA. And they can learn about the DNA. We didn't get to talk about that as much, but they can learn about how changing their own DNA and they can get activations and healing. They can go to lorispania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash crystals. And they can learn all about the crystals and how that helps. Um, at, the, at the website, lorispania.com, there's lots of free gifts. They can, they can learn all about it. And, yeah, I mean, I do webinars and I do a sacred retreat. Like this September, I'm leading a sacred retreat in Arkansas. It is a week-long sacred retreat where... People get to learn all of this up close and personal over the course of a week. Tons of camaraderie, healing, meditation, prayer, like just beautiful. It's so much fun. And, I mean, this, spiritual practices are not, they're fun. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They're uplifting, you know. So we, they learn meditation and healing and telepathy and camaraderie and working with the crystals. They'll learn all of that at the website at com. Plus, I do, like, online retreats as well, which are, like, coaching, healing, support, guidance, channeling. I do a lot of channeling. So, yeah, it's all at com, And, of course, tons of stuff on YouTube for videos if they want to check that out. And tons of stuff on the – all the books are on Amazon. And they can get those, you know, through Kindle for free or else they can down – they can get the PDF as well, I think. Well, thank yeah. you, Lori. Lori, you know, this is something up for our off-the-shelf listeners, and we're, we are really we're out of time, but I definitely, definitely there were so many more questions I was going to ask, Lori, but I've never, I don't think I've gotten around to all the questions with any guests in over years. But one yeah. of the things that you had said, and we didn't get to and we don't have time, but just it's, it's almost uncanny with what's everything going on in the world with COVID and, yeah, the uh, marching for social justice and 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 the people's small businesses and corporations. It, one of the things I was going to ask, you, I don't have time, but you had said, "2020 is the decade of expansion." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, "Man, you got that one right. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah. that one right." Um, so I, I was going to ask you, where yeah, oh my goodness, you you I'm got trying, that one I right. I just want to say thank you, Denise, because I know we're out of time, and I want to make sure I, I just express my sincere gratitude for you having me as a guest and to all the listeners who have listened in. I hope this has been helpful. I'm just very grateful for having been here. Well, thank you. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, if you're on any social networks, can you tell us 
or where our listeners can find you on social media if you are on social networks? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on most of the social networks. I'm on Facebook um, and YouTube and Instagram and Pinterest. Yeah, most active okay. on YouTube and also secondarily Facebook as well. I have truly yeah. been blessed, and I'm sure our listeners have been with what you shared here. Some uh, of it I, I have already heard, so it's just reinforcement. But uh, for for our listeners, and some people might be struggling with that because it's hard to believe that our thoughts can create things and our own energy. We always want to find somebody who is at fault for why I'm like this. Uh, we just try to work to remember who and what we you really are. And you can see just how powerful you are. So your thoughts can cause and your energy can create things. This is a this is a path I highly recommend people go down. And I don't think it's contrary to the Bible to me uh, as as a as a as a Christian. But I, I, I don't think it is. I think it's actually in alignment with it when we really understand what the, the truth. So I want to thank Lori Spagna for being here with us this morning. And her website is, again, Lori Spagna, L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. And she's the author of some of her books, How Psychic Are You? Seven Simple Steps to Unlocking Your Psychic Potential. Learn Animal Communication, and we didn't get around to talking about that one. The Secret Energy of Money and the Spiritual Laws of Wealth. And Two years in Maui, she says she offers free gifts and just more if you want to do an individual session with her. And she does some group in-person and online sessions. And she says she's also on YouTube. Again, Lori Spagna, L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A.com. We want to thank Lori for being here with us this morning. And she just shared some just wonderful things and exercises that that you can do, even if you just sit and meditate and sit in stillness with your eyes closed, even if it's just a minute in the morning and a minute at night and you just build it up to where you're doing it 10 or 15 minutes a day. So we thank her for sharing that. And then the one she said you can take and write down, what is your relationship with money? What do you believe about it? And that was another one. If you missed that, again, when it finishes archives, you can go back and listen to it and share it with those who you feel might benefit from this show. Thank you to our off-the-shelf listeners. I just absolutely love you. I love all of you. Remember, you are incredible. You are phenomenal. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Lori, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you again. Bye for now.